One of the best food scenes in the country, right here in Minnesota. And nobody knows it like magazine food critic and James Beard Award finalist, Jason DeRussia. Now bringing you the most interesting people and hottest trends. Let's listen in as DeRussia Eats. Thank you for spending some time with us. DeRussia Eats, in effect, it's Jason DeRussia and this... This is an emotional episode of DeRussia Eats featuring Chef Jamie Yu. Uh, Jamie is a Korean immigrant, came to the Twin Cities specifically to work for perhaps our most famous chef, Gavin Kaysen. Jamie had a job at Belcour in YZ, a kind of a French bistro. And Belcour shut down during the pandemic. It left Jamie feeling lost. He said he felt like a failure, considered quitting the restaurant field until he ended up in a food hall, newly opening in Minneapolis. Abangyoli has been a huge hit with its flavorful Korean fried chicken, among other treats. And now they have a brick and mortar restaurant, too. You're going to love Jamie. Plus, two of my favorites, John Ng and Lena Goh came to the Twin Cities from San Francisco. A friend suggested that this would be a good place to launch a ramen shop. They opened Zenbox in the Skyway, those kind of uh, Skyway walkways that connect downtown Minneapolis office buildings. Then they opened a restaurant near the Guthrie Theater called Zenbox Izikaya. The ramen unparalleled. And now this couple has launched a food hall uh, with another ramen restaurant, called Eat Street Crossing. A couple of great Twin Cities entrepreneurs. You're going to love these stories as you sit back and enjoy episode 25 of DeRussia Eats. Really, the chef from one of the one of the hottest restaurants, I would say, of the last... Well, when did you open, Jamie? You from Abang Yoli? Uh, it's about like a year and a half now. year and a half, yep. yeah. Yep. Abang Yoli... Am I saying it the way yep. you say yep. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's perfect, actually. Little, yeah. you know, whew, thank you. You would you would tell me if I got it wrong, right? Yeah. I'll, okay, I'll, good. I'll yeah, right, for I mean, sure. There, there's a lot of, lot of people saying like different ways. So. How do people... So it's A-B-A-N-G. Yes. And then Y-O-L-I. So yeah. how do people say it? It's like some people say like A-Bang, Yodi. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like it's like some people spell like a French, you know? A-Bang, <laughs> yeah. Yoli. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Do you correct? What's the right thing to do when you own a restaurant? Do you correct people or, or let them say it however they want to No, say they it? can say whatever they want, <laughs> honestly. I don't really like, I mean, I respect them. I mean, they yeah. remember us and then, you know, that's, cares, that's, yeah, right? that's, that's important, you know. Meritage is the one that I think is the most pr- mispronounced restaurant in the Twin Cities. Oh, really? Meritage in St. Paul. St. Paul, yeah. Because it's just Meritage. Yep. At least that's how the owners say it. Yeah. But people say merit, Meritage. Meritage, yep. But I think meritage is a made-up word. What mm-hmm. does abangyoli mean? So uh, abang is uh, brothers. So my business partner is like we used to work at the uh, same uh, restaurant for a long time. And then uh, we are not real brother, but uh, <laughs> we've been working together for a long time. So, uh, is this Lawrence? Then, yes. And then uh, he, uh, we work at the Bell Court together. And then this is uh, big uh, after... Sadly, we shut down after COVID, and then we reopened, but we shut it down again. So yeah. that was a sad moment. And then uh, he was very, very, very helpful, help, helpful uh, for me to in the restaurant and get through like after like you know like all the sad happening in the Belcourt. Right. So he really helped me a lot. And then 
And then we start thinking about doing business together somehow. <laughs> I was going to go back to Seattle. I'm from Seattle, Washington. You're originally from Seattle. Yes. And I'm, you, what brought you here? I moved here just for that restaurant. Just to work at Belcor. Yes. And, and then, because uh, of Gavin Kaysen's reputation? Uh, or? Yes. Yeah. Uh, also, the I used to work at the, uh, this company called Michael Mina Group in uh, Seattle. Called uh, Now it's a different restaurant, but it used to be RN74. Mm. And then um, uh, I used to work uh, with Chef Nick, uh, Nick Dugan. Uh, he was a very uh, he was like one of my mentor for him, and then he was an opening chef when the Bell Course opened. That's right. So he brought me literally from Seattle to Snowstorm. World. <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, exciting. Jamie Yu is our guest. Abang Yoli is the restaurant first mm-hmm. opened in Malcolm Yard. Yes, uh, which is just a terrific food hall. And your restaurant there uh, quickly became a, a real crowd. Favorite, yes. Luckily, uh, people love. But you did some pop ups before you opened up, right? Yes, we did a pop up at the uh, Nighthawks, Nighthawks, uh, and then we did uh, in the Media Bar for uh, for two different locations, and then we did a couple pop up, and we experienced like how people like our fried chicken. How important are those that that pop up idea? Because it's still a relatively new thing that that diners are experiencing where where someone will have an idea and be Mm -hmm. like road testing it or sometimes it's a caterer who also wants Mm -hmm. to dip their toe back into serving other people. For you, how important was it to be able to road test? It was really, really important for me because I want to like I like I cook someone's like my food for my parents and some for people. But like this is like a real game, Hmm. you know. Like oh, I'm trying to sell my food. Yeah. Like I'm trying to sell my food to the like guest. Then it has to be perfect. I really want to be perfect, and I want to learn. Like how, I want to see like how people think about our food is my food is you know. So that was really really big challenge. And then we had a couple issue about like fryer during that time too. So that was kind of fun, but not really fun. <laughs> yeah. But, the, but, what yeah. was the issue with the fryer? Fryer was uh, so electric. Like the, when we do the pop up at Meteor Bar, the, there's an electric issue. The building is very, very old. It's Meteor Bar is uh, right on the edge of downtown Minneapolis. Yeah. It's a great, 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 great bar. That was the my best. I th- I'll say it's the best bar in Minnesota for me. It's my favorite bar to go yeah. to too. Yeah, it's, but it's it's very much. It's not a kitchen. It's, it's not. There a is no kitchen. Right. So we literally set up the little two fryer, like a home style fryer, <sighs> on the backyard. Oh on my the, god! Yeah, and then we. And how many orders of chicken was, were you selling? It was about sixty to seventy on a home fryer. Yeah. Yeah, that was a little. Do you have a moment where you're doing that and you're thinking, I worked for Michael Mina. I worked at Belcor, Mm -hmm. which was Jason DeRush's favorite restaurant while it was open. Uh, And now I'm using like a fry daddy (laughs) in the parking lot of a bar. Alongside Interstate 94 and Lowry in, in Minneapolis. Well, it's, I mean, I don't know. I didn't even expecting I was going to open my own restaurant. You know, that was my dream. But opening a restaurant, opening up any kind of concept like this kind of thing is really, really a challenge for everybody. Like everybody wants to open the restaurant. Like that's their dream if you have a passion about cooking. Of right? course. But luckily, we found this uh, Malcolm Yard things in uh, Prospect Park. 
um, which is very lucky for us to. Uh, it's a very very low risk for us. Uh, it was basically everything was set up there, and then we bring an idea, and then staff, and then cook our own food, and then luckily the uh, Patricia Wall, uh, she's the uh, owner of the Malcolm Yard, and she we did a couple tasting with her, and then she loved our food, so and then she got into that little spot for us, and then that's just uh, like I didn't even think about it. You like, uh, like uh, honestly, like you don't know what's going to happen in your life, you know. You you hadn't even thought about opening your own place. No, I don't. Because I, it was a dream. It was a dream. And then, be honest with you, after COVID, when the bell core shut down, um, for me, I almost quit cooking. Hmm. That's how I was very emotional for me, because. Belcor, like literally, I moved here to Minnesota for that restaurant. I have no reason to move Minnesota, just yeah. that restaurant. And that was like, like my life. I spent half of my twenties there, mm-hmm. in you know, in Waisara. In Waisara, and then I literally, I didn't have a car for four days. Huh. I mean, four years. Sorry, for four years. Four years, and I just walked there, walked there, opening, cooking food. Come you're, back. You were there all day. Yeah, it was just that was my first opening restaurant. I worked, and then I just learned so much from all this talented chef Gavin, Chef Gavin, uh, Lawrence, Nick, Chef Ryan, uh, my sister Diane. You know, everybody just. It's an incredible team. It is like the best team ever. I so, think. so when it closed, the emotional part of it was. It, did you feel like? Did you feel lost? I feel loss of my career, to be huh. honest. Like, like I was like, in that time, I was like, like, what am I going to do? Right. I mean. And your friends were all connected to. Yeah. And then, like, I'm, I mean, everybody, like, I'm pretty sure everybody thinking about the same thing, like me. Some people. I mean, they're like, yes, we love cooking. And then we're passionate about cooking. And then, like, this, my life of the restaurant is closed. You know, when well, the so, context is so important, too, because not only did you have your restaurant mm-hmm. and your life uh, taken, yep. but it also was the context of COVID going on. And you yep. really didn't know what life was going to be like on the other yep. end. And then could I, you ever open another restaurant? Yeah. And then am I like, like, can I get a job? You know, right. like, I don't even know I'm going to get a job here. Huh. And my apartment lease was still seven months left. And then I had to call my parents and like. I just told my mom, just like, honestly, like, like, mom, I don't know what am I going to do anymore. I don't even know. I should like, am I like good to go back to restaurant? Like, right. because like, I never, I, I literally stay in the Belcor rest half of my 20s. And then I don't know how I feel like working at some different restaurant. Right. You know, with different people. I'm just so get used to my family, which mm. is the employee of the, all the Belcor. Yeah. Yep, that was the. That's really amazing, Jamie. Jamie, you, yeah, you can, you can. I think people can hear it in your voice just how much that that restaurant closing, you know, and we feel it as diners when we lose our favorite place. Mm-hmm. You feel that sense of loss, but to be in your shoes, yep. moving here just for that job, yep. Boy, what a pivot point in life, though, right? Because mm-hmm. you could have, like you said, packed up, moved back to Seattle. Mm-hmm. You could have 
gone back to school. You could have gotten a job as a letter carrier, like yep. some people I know I, in the restaurant business did. Yeah, I can just do whatever. I mean, I like other mine. I was thinking like like any kind of job, you know, like packaging, like any kind of job. Because like, you just needed to. Yeah, I, I just need to like yeah. do something. I can't just stand stay home doing nothing. You know, I gotta stand up and yeah. I gotta move. You know, uh, your restaurant. Uh, I feel very grateful that you you stayed and, and that Malcolm Yards was available for you. Abang Yoli is your interpretation of a, sort of a modern Asian food, yes. but it's extremely accessible and approachable. I hesitate to say interpretation of modern because it makes it sound fancy and precious, and that's no, not it's, it. It's very com- comfortable food. Uh, I'll say uh, it's we are focusing on southeastern and uh, eastern uh, Asian cuisine. So I am uh, born in Korea, and then my business partner, he is born in uh, London, in England, but uh, he's uh, half Malaysian. So mm-hmm. he has a lot of, like, inspired Malaysian cuisine, too. So Malaysian, Thai, like, I also uh, been to Japan a couple times, and then all these things are mixture. And then we also learn so many these different kind of technique at Belcourt. So we kind of, like, mixed in together, mm-hmm. you know. It's a little bit of French there, a little bit of this, you know, all like Italian, like all these things like combined. And then we made the menu and it tastes good. You know, it's not like super like authentic Asian, but like people loved it. It tastes so good. It's I, I, I was very happy and I'm very thankful people just keep coming and ask, like told us like it's the best food, Mm. like best fried chicken sandwich ever, you know. And there are a lot of fried chicken sandwiches out there, so to have yeah, yours. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, there is a lot of fried chicken sandwich. You know, like I sometimes yeah. I go to like any kind of like restaurant and then have a fried chicken sandwich, and then like people coming for us, you know, yeah. having a fried chicken sandwich. It's high praise. It, it is like I'm very, very appreciate all these people coming for us to eating fried chicken sandwich. All right, I really got drawn into your story, <laughs> so I forgot that we probably should take a break. So yeah. let's take a break. Yeah, sounds good. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about Korean-style yep. fried chicken, which yep. is one of your specialties. Uh, and I also want to talk about why uh, being in a food hall mm-hmm. was such a lifesaver yep. for someone with a dream. Uh, Jamie Yu is our chef uh, guest. The restaurant is Abang Yoli, two locations, both in Minneapolis. To Russia Eats, brought to you by Liquor Boy and the Minnesota Pork Board. Continues in a minute. Russia Eats on this Tuesday. Our guest is Chef Jamie Yu from Abang Yoli. Korean-style fried chicken. What is it? So the Korean-style fried chicken. So if you think about, uh, well, I'll say it this way. And in Korea, a lot of people love fried chicken. Uh, there is more fried chicken place more than McDonald's in Korea. Really? Uh, you will see at least two or three Korean uh, fried chicken place in every two blocks of the street. Huh. That's how people are crazy about it. They just love the, fried chicken. They love the fried chicken. So there is no such as a definition of the Korean fried chicken, but um, it is crispy, it is very moist, and then it's not get soggy really easily. So what we do in, the, in Abang, uh, we do is uh, deep fry into the 300 Fahrenheit, the oil, uh, fry oil. And then basically, like almost like a like making like the like almost like moist keep the moisture inside, and then you know like keep it like almost like a poaching the huh. chicken, and then 
when we about that process, and it's about like 75% cook of the chicken, and we rest a little bit, and we move to the high temperature. Got it. Because 300 is pretty low. Yes. Very yes, low. Very for low a for frying. Yeah. yeah. And then we fry to the about 350 to 365 Fahrenheit to make the outside is really, really crispy, and then mm. keep the juice inside, and we serve with many different, like two different kinds of sauces. We have a spicy gochujang sauce. And it's like a they were very like it's not super spicy, it's like a Minnesota spicy. I always explain <laughs> to people, it's not painful it's not, spicy. <laughs> you're not gonna start crying. Uh, it's not gonna cry like when you have a like a little bit. And then we have a sesame ginger garlic sauce. Uh, it's like a little bit savory sauce. Got it. And then, yeah. And you have other items as well on the menu, all sorts of things. But it's really it's it's uh, I I I mean people have loved it already and. I, I, before the break, I said we should talk about the food hall. Yeah. Because I don't know if people realize just because you're a great chef doesn't mean that you've got investors or lenders mm-hmm. ready to give you the money that it takes to open a restaurant. Yeah. It's a, well, the food hall, I'll say it's, it is a great, great concept. I mean, first time when I opened in the food hall, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know like what that mean was. Mm. Like, what is food hall? Right, you know, it's like there is some kind of food hall in, uh, in uh, in Minnesota uh, and St. Paul, and then like and there's like Keg and Case, uh, Grace, and yes, that's kind of food hall I was thinking. And then yeah. I first time I before the Malcolm Yards opened, I went to look at the building, and then this building it's like a like big land. It's huge. It's, it's surrounded so, by, and it, it was surrounded by nothing. Yeah. And, and now it's apartments it's, going up left It's like right. there's apartments going on and there's like brand new apartments right next to each other and like literally crazy, you know. So it's uh, it's really uh, beneficial for us. Like the food hall brings the people. Yeah. Um, like, And you can get in at low cost and low yes, rent. Yes, yes. And then there's a lot of parking spot. That's the key. Yeah. It's it's by the U of M. It's by Surly. Surly yep. So, yep. so there's, there's a all, lot all, transit, yeah. bike path, lots mm-hmm. of stuff over there. Then people coming in for gathering, like the families, and on the weekends and in the weekday, like the business meeting there, yeah, and like little party. And then you have party. another location at 38th and Nicholas. Yes, in we, South Minneapolis. Yes, we are focusing on uh, like a very small seat. Uh, it's like only eight seats inside. Yeah, it's like a bar stools. It's then, a lot of takeout, right? So, and then we are doing a lot of takeout for um, for the the people who lives around there, and then even people are nice. some people coming for us from Shakopee. That was one guy was from the Shakopee. He was driving all the way down from Shakopee to us, to, just doing a takeout for just one chicken sandwich. Oh wow! And huh. It's just really, really like, you know. And then I just get you right, yes, in the, yeah. right in the and all then, the fields right there. Then right? He yeah. he brought a brother next mm. week, and all this it's, it's it's just so crazy, like and it's good, you know. Jamie Yu from Abang Yoli, your three favorite restaurants to go to uh, that aren't your own. I'll say Young Joni, uh, Spoon and Stable, and then Martina. Those three my restaurant like that's that's pretty the, great. Yeah, it's yeah. it's. I mean, Young Joni was my first restaurant I've been to. Uh, Minnesota, I didn't have a car, and my phone was died, and I was just walking around somewhere, <laughs> and then it was a Sunday, and then I got into one restaurant, and it was really good, 
and then I found out that was like James Bureau <laughs> restaurant. Right, yeah, yeah, and then like it's it a pretty good restaurant. You randomly yeah, selected, I, yeah, a pretty good spot. Yeah, uh, we could talk all day, but our time is up. Yes, this was outstanding. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting us. Thank you for coming yeah. on. Abang Yoli is the restaurant. Go to Malcolm Yards, the other location in Nicolet. I suspect uh, we'll see more locations from you in the future. Thank you. Russia Eats continues. Here's your host, Jason DeRussia. Lena Go and John Ng. I first met them at Zenbox in the Skyway. Then it became Zenbox Izikaya. And last month they opened a collective restaurant space, sort of like a food hall called Eat Street Crossing. They're our guests on DeRussia Eats. Our guests on DeRussia Eats are John Ng and Lena Go. They are the owners and chefs behind Zenbox Izakaya and the brand new Eat Street Crossing with a couple of uh, different places in there. John and Lena, it's so good to have you with us. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. Yeah, it's fun. Right? <laughs> the, the radio world. It's yeah. so glamorous, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> you guys have had quite a journey from the first time I met you in the Skyway in yes. downtown yes. Minneapolis to your beautiful restaurant, the best ramen in the upper Midwest, the best ramen Thank I've you. had for sure, uh, John, and the great hospitality from you, Lena. Tell everyone your story because you uh, you guys are not from Minnesota originally. We're no. not. We're not. Yeah. we. I was born in Malaysia. I was born in Hong Kong. And we met on the Internet back in 1997. I was in Back the... before it was cool to meet yeah. on the Internet. Exactly. People we we used dial up. So yeah. it was slow. Mm-hmm. And we met on, you know, we didn't see the photos of one another, not like Twitter, uh, Tinder. Right. You know, we just chatted on ICQ, if anybody remember yes, that. Yes, I remember yes. ICQ. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And I came, fly, flew over to San Francisco to meet this guy who I think is a normal guy. Yeah. You were hoping. We yes, I was yeah. hoping. <laughs> Did he turn out as normal as you had expected? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, After 15 uh, years, yeah. Uh, no, well, we, he lost count. We've been married for 22 years yeah. now. Oh, yeah. That's true, huh? 22. Yeah, fi- 15 yes. is the business, but marriage-wise, yes. like 20-something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And when you were in San Francisco, John, what were you doing? I was studying architecture, and I graduated, worked in the field for seven years. And during that time, I was actually working in architecture firm daytime and then at night I work in restaurant just to get some like extra you know income but that's how I start my career I guess just the side know, the so, side hustle yeah the side hustle pretty much yeah. so yeah uh, John Ng and Lena Go are our guests how did you end up coming here to Minneapolis well it was pretty much uh through one of our best friend, I mean, one of my best friend that we were hanging out in San Francisco, but uh, during that time, his uh, business was actually based in Minnesota, which is, you know, exporting soybean from Minnesota to Japan. So he moved here after half, like a year. Yeah. He mm-hmm. called me up and said, hey, John, you got to come over here. There's no, you know, good Japanese food you know, in Minnesota. And he was suggesting maybe you guys want to move over here and, you know, start a new career, adventure in life. 
And that was during the time that um, the financial no, crisis. I, no, the high tech bubble burst. Bubble burst. Yeah, back in 2000. Uh-huh. So, yeah. good you know. T- good time to leave. Uh, good time well, to good leave. time to leave because I was getting laid off through architecture. Like, all the projects had stopped. Yeah. And, you know, I was, like, wondering what else I can do during that time. So, apparently, that's the opportunity we took. And then we just pack up and moved here. Yeah. Well, we are the beneficiary of your friend being here <laughs> in the Twin Cities that yeah. you both came yes. and you opened in the Skyway, Zenbox, yes. which quickly kind of gathered word of mouth for being like, hey, this is like legit quality food mm. in the Skyway in downtown. Yeah. yeah, that was what we wanted to do, something quick and affordable and hearty. And we call it Zenbox because you have a bento box and it's a, it's a, har- a box of harmony and you have your veggies, your carbs and your protein yeah yeah yeah. and pretty much everything cooked from scratch i mean down to the sauce you know and you know i remember i have to spend like almost whole day to cut like three cases of frozen chicken just to keep up with the with the demand demand. yeah Yeah. (laughs) so that was crazy back then yeah John Ng and Lena Go uh, then opened Zenbox near the Guthrie Theater in the, the Mill District. Yes. Your ramen is what you've uh, really become known for, even yeah. though there are many other kind of uh, wonderful things on the menu. Right. What, what drove and drives your obsession with ramen? Actually, when I was still, you know, working in San Francisco, the my... The chef that taught me ramen, he was pretty much the first generation ramen chef in San Francisco that opened up a ramen joint and, you know, slash isakaya. So that's where I pick up all the skills from him. And, you know, and when we first moved to Minnesota, you know, at the Skyway, even though the Skyway location, I, I mean, originally I really wanted to do ramen. Back then, ramen wasn't a thing at all, so we did we didn't want to take that risk of just doing it for the, you know, just for my for obsession. your crazy ideas. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so we're because it's very labor intensive. It was very labor intensive. It takes a long time yeah. to make that to make the the broth. Yeah, and finding it in the right ingredient for the broth itself is is actually took me five years to get the right ingredients. Even though you know, after we opened Zenbox Isakaya. Mm-hmm. Is because I was, you know, primarily using uh, pork bone base. So apparently in America, pork bone, the, the word pork bone they use wasn't the pork bone that we use in Asia. Oh, it's a different bone? That yes. Interesting. So we use the, primarily the uh, femur bones okay. because it has the collagen attached to the knee area oh. of that uh a part of the bone. And some of our listeners are thinking, what on earth would the difference be? What? Who cares if it's got more collagen? But collagen is really... That makes the broth uh, with that texture of the thickness and also the silkiness of the of the broth itself, the it's body silky. of the broth. It's yeah. the people, pretentious people talk about mouthfeel, Lena, but you know what it's like, right? It mm-hmm. just it, There's something that yeah. happens when, yes. you, when you slurp it down. Right. Exactly. The collagen and the, you know, the, the stickiness in your mouth, that's the true essence of the tonggutsu. Ramen. And that's how, you know, the, the, the noodle, with the combination of noodle you use... Because if you have the right consistency of the silkiness, it will just attach on the noodle while you're slurping. 
So because the noodle itself of no flavor, right? So you are pretty much relying, you know, completely to the broth and then the flavor. So that's how you get the attach of the flavor through the broth is by that collagen. The and, collagen. Yeah. So for you to find the right, the femur bone to use, was it, it wasn't as easy as it calling wasn't out. That easy. It was yeah. definitely a challenge, okay. finding Were the you right. supportive of this, or are you like, come on, well, John, just find another bone? <laughs> he was abdomen about finding the right bone, and it took him a while. Yeah. And I mean, I was his harshest critic. Well, until I met uh, Mike Phillips. That had the red table, uh, meats. Red table meat, right? Mm-hmm. So they they were starting that mm-hmm. red table meat back then. So I he was taking whole hogs, yes. right. breaking them down mm-hmm. into salami and salumi right. and all sorts right. of different. So things. he after he butchered the, the the pig itself, all this bone that he left over, he asked me, "Do I want to take it?" So oh. I just took it from him, and then throughout the time, you know, as the uh, production start. You know, uh, ramping up, uh, ramping up mm-hmm. for me. I start asking, can you connect to me to all those smaller farmer that raise pig around hmm. you know, this region and see if I can find enough enough femur legs. Yeah, femur for me to <laughs> <laughs> cook. Bones. I mean, uh, under uh, different circumstances, people might call the police on you. Yeah. <laughs> some <laughs> some just... crazy man in Minneapolis is right. obsessed with the pig femur. Right, right. But it makes a difference in the flavor. It and does. That's, it does. that is that, you know, I think there are lessons for people, no matter what your profession is, that idea of obsessing over the perfect ingredient. right. right. It's yeah. a worthy endeavor, don't you think? You could do it. You could do it without. This. Yes, yes. I I think the most important thing is if if you're gonna do something, might as well do hundred percent of it. Hmm. You know, if I don't reach that hundred percent, at least I have no regret, right? And you said Lena's your toughest critic. Yes. Oh yeah. I was like, this is not good. Let's let's change it or make it better. And you know, it took us many years to really perfect the the broth yeah. at the, when we first started. That tonkatsu yeah. Yeah. broth. Right. Yep. And it's something special, I tell you. Like I've had, and just I know you both have as well, had ramen all over the country, all over the world. Mm-hmm. And I really think your ramen stands up to anybody. Thank you. Thank you. He is obsessed. He's very yeah. obsessed. So you, I think you can tell. They call him the ramen guru in town. <laughs> right. Your your uh, Instagram is ramen architect, architect yeah. of yeah. course, yeah. but which has the double meaning of course right. too. Yeah. John Ng and Lena Go are our guests. Uh, Eat Street Crossing is their new and newest endeavor, right on Eat Street in Minneapolis. It's a food hall. We will talk about that. And kind of some of the new things. Ramit a part of it, but there's more. And we'll talk about that as we continue here on Russia Eats. Back on Russia Eats with John Ng and Lena Go from Eat Street Crossing, Zen Box, Izikaya. Eat Street, my wife and I just went there and just had a great time. The building renovation is absolutely gorgeous. This is at 28th and Nicollet in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. And you have a couple concepts inside the building. Mm-hmm. There is a ramen place, of course, right, John? Yes. But it's different. It's not the pork-based broth. It's a uh, chicken-based broth. Is it, it, is it different to make? Is it harder? It's is actually it... take more time to make chicken broth than pork broth. Because of the collagen level is different. We're all yeah. learning so much about bone collagen yeah, right. today. The process yeah. is different. And the too. process is different. Is so it? I actually have to divide it into two parts 
and then mix it back into one pot. To get the flavor profile. To get the flavor, texture, texture, and everything else. Mm-hmm. Because the, the chicken bone itself is give out flavor, right? Right. And the chicken feet itself give out collagens. And then on top of that, I use chicken skins as well hmm. to give out the silkiness throughout the whole you know, mouth feel. You know, as so you really, in a way, you're you're like a, a, a conductor of an orchestra gathering these different yes. kind of parts to put it together to yes. create what you're looking yes. for. And before I do all this, I have to extract all the chicken oil from the chicken skin before I start the process. Otherwise, the broth will become too greasy. Mm. And then I can use We've the- all had broths like that. Mm-hmm. that yeah. Are, and, yeah. Yeah. And any home cook who's made chicken noodle soup, you know right. when you go too far. Right. right. And, yeah. and make it thick. You know, creamy as well as you know, clean. Hmm. That's an art by itself mm-hmm. to me. So that's that's what I'm trying to re- create in Eastry Crossing, and it's totally different than you know Zenbox Isakaya. So I want to make that separation, clear separation between Zenbox Isakaya and this new ramen shop. So you can I tell think, John's really obsessed. He cannot stop talking about ramen. I know, I know. you can't. Yeah. You can't get a word in that. <laughs> you're you're used to this, right? Yes. You're used to this. Yes. Lena, what what sort of experience did you want people to have at Eighth Street Crossing? Because we've had our ups and downs with food halls mm-hmm. in in this community, and people have seen it all around the country. Yes, it's it's something where it's so important to me. A place together, a place where you feel that you you can. Have fun and really enjoy your friends or your family or anyone's company. And that was the idea behind the food hall that we really want to create. And we've been around the country and being, you know, studying different types of food hall. And we decided to do this way where we can control what kind of food we would like to offer and what kind of experience. And it's within our control. Do we have enough people here in Minnesota who who will go to 28th and Nicolet to go to Eat Street to keep you guys going? Well, what we're focused on is the community yeah. in, in, in the neighborhood. The yeah. neighborhood. And that's why we Eat Street means so much to us because we have such a diverse and amazing neighborhood around that area. Hmm. And we really want to bring the confidence back for the, the people in the neighborhood and the people outside of this neighborhood to come back to Minneapolis and come back to Eat Street. So you have ramen shoten, which is your uh, ramen your ramen show. concept, yeah. but there's also a sushi a sort of uh, describe what sushi dori is because it's not a traditional sushi spot. It's not. It's uh, sushi dori, sushi, you know, sushi, and then dori means street in Japanese. We want to make it like a izakaya style street food style sushi. So we we created this uh, sushi sandwich, sushi sando. That's what we call it, where you can have a beer or wine on one hand and have a sushi sandwich on the other hand. Right. So it's accessible and bar bar focused. Well, and when you look at the ingredient itself too, it's not just raw fish. You know, we find a lot of Minnesotans. You know, they they just don't like raw fish, and yeah. we were using. You know, we were thinking the idea. Oh, we could use other ingredients other than raw fish. You know, for that kind of concept, basically just think of it as a sandwich with no bread, but instead of, you know, bread, you use rice and nori sheet. And definitely yeah. spam. Yeah, spam. <laughs> How Minnesotan yeah. is that That's with right. spam? Yeah. You've yeah. got spam, you've got pork belly, you've got a fried chicken right. sandwich, so all of those options, but right. it's presented like a mm-hmm. like a sushi sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty fun. What What have you found as far as the crowds that are showing up? 
oh, all ranges. We yeah. have families, we have hipsters, we have um, Gen Zs, you know, like every age, I yeah. think, you know, it, we were very, very like, wow, this is blown away by how receptive the, the East Street Crossing is to all ages. Yeah. People keep calling this food hall. For, for us, it's, uh, at the beginning, we have the hardest time to figure out, should we call this a food hall? Because mm. it's not really a food hall to us. Because we, you Wait, know, what we, do you mean? It, 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 it's like a food hall, but the way we operate is like a restaurant. Ah. Yes, and it's even the hospitality though the, part. Yeah. And yep. even though the offering, huh. you know, yeah. we're not relying on somebody else. Hopefully, they will rent a space to make this space cohesive. Instead, we will control the food to match with the vibe we give out to this whole package of, yes. you know, activities. It's well, a multi-concept. John Ng and Lena Go are our guests. Eat Street Crossing, one of the favorite features of Derusha Eats is when our uh, restaurant professionals tell our listeners what their uh, three of their favorites mm. other places to go in town that are not their own restaurants. Yes, I'll so, start first. Go for it. My first one is Balagrasa. For sure. Mm. I love my carbs and I got to have my pasta. <laughs> yes. So good. Yes. So good. And my second one is Kotu. It's a Vietnamese, uh, it's a family run, family uh, run Vietnamese restaurant in Bloomington at the corner wow. of 79th and Penn. What's it called? Uh, Kotu. C O T U. Um, amazing bun bo hui. Oh, it's it's very herby and it's got chunks of pork feet and pork hocks and beef in there. So it's a mixture of beef broth and pork broth. Cool. And the third one is definitely Sidewalk Kitchen. That's in Stadium Village. Very traditional Hong Kong style uh, street food and dishes that I love nice. and John and I share. Yeah. Love. Well, and my three is uh, the first one had to be uh, Rainbow Chinese yes. by Tammy. Her, her wonton. The Sichuan wonton. So good. So, so good. good. The flavor is so good. It's so meaty and it's just, you just keep craving for that. And the second one I would think is, uh, uh, Italian eatery, right? Mm. Uh, yeah. Near Nakomas. Yes. I love their environment. You know, love their dishes. You know, it's very creative in a way. It, I mean, you almost feel like you are in the city. But you're actually at the suburb right? while you're sitting out at right. the patio. So I love that place. And uh, I think the thir third one is, is more like a brunch. Uh, Maria's Kitchen. Maria's Cafe. Maria's Cafe. Maria's, Maria's yes. Cafe. Yeah. Yes. I love the, you know, the, the, the breakfast. Colombian breakfast. It's very hearty. Yeah. I love something like that. Those mm -hmm. corn pancakes oh, are yeah. so good there. Oh, yeah. 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 Excellent. Those well, you two are two of my favorites, and it's so fun to see your success, and we're so glad you spent some time with us today on Russia Eats. Thank you no, so thank much you for, for having, having us. us. Yeah. John Ng, Lena Go, Zenbox Izikaya. Uh, go check it out and check out Eat Street Crossing in Minneapolis. Thanks so much for listening to the DeRussia Eats podcast on WCCO Radio, 830 AM. We do conversations with chefs, with farmers, with small business people every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 p.m. The podcast is available every week. If you enjoyed what you heard, I would love for you to leave us a review. Give us however many stars you can. I don't know, 10, 20 stars would be nice, five stars, and leave your feedback as well. It really helps us grow and helps support covering the food community here at WCCO Radio and in the DeRussia Eats podcast. 
If you'd like to email me with an idea or a question about the restaurant scene, you can email Jason at Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com. Jason at Odyssey dot com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the DeRussia Eats podcast. Thanks for listening to DeRussia Eats. Dan Cook is our producer. Jason DeRussia is your host. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. DeRussia Eats is a production of Odyssey.